we have to do something right now. Then it's the waters around Antarctica which are so vibrant and so important for all of us. Now is the time for Antarctica to be set aside for peace, for science, but also for wildlife. We should consider the importance of Antarctica in the whole ecological process, especially as China are developing and taking on the leadership of environmental movements in the world. China should consider Earth as a whole ecosystem instead of just considering what is happening within one country. We are now facing a world with significantly declining marine ecosystem and fish stocks. Uh, Antarctic waters is probably the last frontier. Sustainable fisheries should be of any country's interest, including China. Welcome to Season 10, Will China Save Antarctica's Ocean? This is a special season where we partnered with China Environment Forum for the Woodrow Wilson Center and China Dialogue to investigate why creating marine protected areas in the southern ocean of Antarctica is good for the planet and good for China. Luckily, marine life in Antarctica has been protected since 1982 through an agreement called the Convention on the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources, otherwise called CAMELAR. In this episode, Stella Chan, our associate producer for the season, joins me to wrap up the series by discussing our recent live stream event about the CAMELAR meetings. So last week, we invited Zhou Wei and Julian Chen, experts on China's fishery and their role within CAMELAR, to have a discussion with us about China's interest in Antarctica waters. China didn't align their support for new marine protected areas during CAMELAR meetings. Will China, one of the largest krill fishing nations in the world, put aside its fishing interests to protect the Southern Ocean at CAMELAR meetings next year? Let's find out more by listening to some of the highlights from our recent live stream event. First, Joe Wei, senior oceans campaigners at Greenpeace East Asia, give us some background on China's interests in fishing in the far oceans of Antarctica. China's decent water fishery started in 1985, so it's 35 years old now. Before 2015, there was a rapid growth, but after 2015, it becomes more stable. And by the year 2019, China owns about 2,700 decent water fishing vessels, and now China is one of the world's largest decent water fishing nations. Zhou Wei went on to discuss why China has invested so heavily in specialized ships that fish krill, a tiny shrimp-like crustacean critical to Antarctica's marine food web. Although China is not the first country to show an interest in krill fishing, Norway and South Korea actually have historically dominated krill fishing in Antarctica. But in the last few years, China's krill fishing has grown at an alarming rate with heavy new investment. I think the main motivation for fishing for krill is because currently more than 90% of the the world's fish stocks are either overfished or fully fished. And krill is classified as one of the few uh, 
fish stocks that is underfished or underexploited. There are many incentives to given to the real industry from both the central and the local government. Uh, for example, incentives are given to the vessel building. Uh, so in the past few years, pro fishing companies have built uh, more pro fishing vessels. Chinese fishing firms have begun to target Antarctic krill helped by support from local and national government. Among the guests at the launch of the Shenlan krill fishing vessel last year was China Agriculture Vice Minister Yu Kangzhen, whose ministry is responsible for fisheries. But if we look at um, the benefit, I think it's uh, it's not very clear because maybe the krill fishing business is not very profitable at this moment. Because most of the krill fishing products are are used as trash fish and fish meal, only a few of them are used to produce krill oil. Krill oil is a nutrition supplement product for human use. Krill oil is a high value product, but only a few of the krill are used to produce krill oil at this moment. So. It's、uh, probably not a very profitable. So there doesn't seem to be a profit motive behind China's interest in krill fishing. Just maybe the fact that krill are abundant and available to be fished in large quantities. But Zhou Wei also points out that China's krill fishing interests don't conflict with Kamler Marine Conservation goals. I think China doesn't need to put aside its fishing interest because. A healthy ocean is the basic for everything. We are all connected, and through protecting Antarctic, actually the fisheries can also benefit. Many Chinese fishing companies has built new fishing vessels. They put a lot of money to build these vessels. Also, definitely they don't want them to be to be useless in the future. And also recently, China issued a a white paper. Of its decent water fishery, and from that white paper, you can notice many words of like long-term sustainability and high quality. So, how to achieve these goals? I think marine protected area has been proven by the science as very effective tool to protect the biodiversity, protect the ecosystem, and provide a more fisheries benefits. Up to this point, China is better known in Kamalar for not being supportive of marine protected areas or MPAs. Jiliang Chen of Green Innovation Hub in Beijing tells us why. China is more famous for its opposition to the MPAs. So China has four main、uh, arguments opposing、uh, MPA proposals. The first one is about the right to fish. The second one is about the strong scientific justification. The third one is about The research and the monitoring needs to be、uh, specific and、uh, practical. The fourth one is about the duration of MPA designation. China has been using these arguments for a very long time. It would appear China's position is difficult to change, but maybe there's just more of a misunderstanding. This conference reveals the difficulty within the Chinese side. First. Uh, there is a mismatch.、Uh, the MPA is considered as a political issue because it's about the ocean and Antarctica. There are still、uh, territorial claims, so it is considered as a political issue. But it's only being dealt at the technical level. So there's a mismatch, and also、uh, China does not have、uh, an Antarctic 
strategy or law on Antarctica. So it is very difficult for the officials to seek uh, political guidance. And the fishing expertise is not balanced with the conservation expertise in the uh, delegation. And the Ministry of Foreign Affairs does not attach great importance to, to Kamala. They have more important things to worry about. So looking forward, I think there are still uh, reasons to be optimistic. I think the political momentum uh, connecting, connected with the narrative of ecological civilization and the human community of shared future is a very important. So the verdict is still out on whether China will support further marine protection like it did with the Rossi MPA in 2016. But in the recent Camelar meetings in October, there wasn't much good news to report. During the discussion of illegal fishing, Camelar members couldn't reach a consensus on whether to add the Russian-flagged vessel F.V. Palmer to their illegal, unregulated, and unreported list, also called IUU. Online meeting was indeed uh, quite frustrated. And um, Russia was trying to make meeting as informal as possible. The conservation groups are quite disappointed. We understand that it's a, it's a difficult time and it's a virtual meeting. So we still disappointed that uh, so much time has been spent on the IUU, suspected the IUU case. The Russian fishing vessel Poma was photographed by a New Zealand patrol airplane in a closed area. And New Zealand asked the Russia to do the investigation. And the, the, the problem is the, uh, Russia did not provide the VMS data of that vessel that could demonstrate it, the real track or travel trace in this debate. So the situation is very, very strange. Many members did criticize Russia on this issue. And as a result of the Camelar meeting, the F.V. Palmer will be allowed to continue to fish this season without any consequence. In the past, Camelar has been a leader in combating IUU fishing, so the meeting was a real setback for the conservation agenda. But Jilliang is more optimistic for next year's Camelar meetings. I think political will to uh, engage the multilateral environmental process is there, but for the political leaders, they lack technical options on how to engage. China do not have the capacity to make technical suggestions to accommodate their concerns. I think that's a key capacity that you need to engage this process. And I think China is, has seen this gap and is working on uh, to improve the internal mechanisms and uh, build internal capacity to fill this gap. And Zhou Wei is also hopeful. Earlier this year, a Chinese scientist from Qingdao National Laboratory for Marine Science and Technology was the lead author on a paper suggesting that Antarctica krill, the key species in the Southern Ocean food web, was forced to migrate to cold waters due to climate change. The data they used was from the Chinese icebreaker Shuilong. Uh, I have been asked a lot of times why China is against the MPA. As the research you brought up, 
It was a joint research conducted by Chinese scientists, Chinese scientific research vessels, and uh, scientists from other countries. So I think there's a lot more uh, work we can do uh, in Antarctic together. And with uh, cooperation, with joint effort, with uh, this spirit of joint effort and the cooperation, I'm, I'm also very optimistic for the future. Well, 2020 was supposed to be the year of nature, but the COVID pandemic definitely brought a wrinkle in that plan. Though it is still good to know that Zhou Wei and Julian Chen both remain optimistic about China's role in protecting the Southern Ocean. With the UN Convention on Biodiversity taking place in China next year, and China's recent commitment to become carbon neutral by 2060, there does seem to be a momentum for China to take a leadership role in global conservation. As Jiliang said earlier, the narrative of ecological civilization and the human community of shared future is super important now in China. This final episode of season ten, "Will China Save Antarctica's Oceans?" is produced by Sustainable Asia. The episode was produced by me, Marcy Trent Long, and associate producer Stella Chan. Thanks to our guests Joe Wei and Jillian Chen, Alexander Mobison created the intro-outro music made from repurposed and recovered waste items. We've also produced this series in Mandarin with hosts Bonnie Ao and Wu Yufei. We interviewed our guest Julian Chen in Mandarin and put it on our Sustainable Asia Mandarin podcast. After all, we are trying to use the voices of Asia. To bring environmental reporting and research to global audiences.